Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hey, we're in part two of a series entitled, you asked for it really quick, uh, on Easter survey, Easter Sunday, we gave a survey. What are the things that you want to hear um, that you're dealing with in life or you're facing in life that you want to see what the scripture has to say. Jesus taught this way many times. Uh, he was confronted by uh, issues or circumstances or even questions from his uh, followers, his disciples, and he took a moment to teach on things. And so we wanted to follow that model. So we had uh, a survey. Uh, we took the top four vote getters last week. We kicked it off um, on how to handle stress. My hope is that you had uh, more of a stress-free week this week than last week. Uh, but can I just tell you the principles of the word work, but you gotta apply them to life, amen? And you gotta keep doing it every day. You gotta keep applying the word of God to your life, so I encourage you in that. This one probably goes along right along with it, and this is called How to Deal with Difficult People. And so, listen, I don't know if I should've done this last week. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Turn to your second choice or last choice and say, you need this one today, all right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I wanna look... I want to look in the Word today, but let me start this by saying, when we're talking about difficult people, that's a constant. I mean, that's every day in life, everywhere we go, that's, I mean, the Bible says that the poor you'll have with you always, and I would add, and I just would say, Lord, I mean, it might be good to add, and the difficult people as well. And just because that that's a constant in life, and I think because relationships are so important, people are so important in our life, and so the enemy always comes to try and make things hard relationally. And so I know that there's always a constant struggle. The thing is, you don't wanna be the difficult person. And then in dealing with difficult people, it's important for us to know that really it's not dealing with them as much as it is dealing with you. And so we can't change control anybody, that's not what we're about, but we can change what we do. And when we do it in accordance with the word of God and get our lives in order in that way, apply those principles, then we see things happen. So there's a lot of ideas out there. How do you, how do you manage this? How do you deal with difficult people? And so the world has a lot to say about it, and we listen to the things that are said for sure. Um, I, I, I was doing a lot of research on this and, and looking at a lot of stories we could tell, share, personal life and other things, studies, statistics. I really kind of just settled on one thing this morning uh, to share with you for a moment, just kind of the voice of Today, the voice of the now generation that's happening, kind of coaching and telling how to deal with difficult people. And so I thought that it would be good to play just a little clip for you to listen. Um, I kind of think this is kind of the mindset today, the world's wisdom on how to deal with difficult people. Just go ahead, take a listen. I just, I just will say, Taylor, honey, it's not that simple. It just, you can't just shake. I saw some of you going like this to the song out there, shake it off once. So really, the, honestly, it's like you can't ignore it. It doesn't go away. You can't just walk in just like, I'm not going to pay attention, not going to ask like it didn't happen, just kind of shake it off. That'd be nice. It just doesn't work that way. And so there's a lot of things the Bible has to say. Now, I'm the kind of person that's like, I, I want to share kind of my, my life with you, uh, be transparent and real with you up here. And so, uh, you know, in dealing with difficult people, and again, that's just in all of our lives, there's a couple of things I, I want to share personally with you that one that really makes me feel good if I respond in this way. And, uh, you know, it wasn't I had to study to find these things. These are kind of just, I, I know these, I had these scriptures memorized. I, I want to share it with you. Here's the one that really helps me cope with difficult people. It's in Luke. Let's take a look at that scripture. Luke 9, 54. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked Jesus, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? 
Because I'll do it, Lord. I will be your servant. <laughs> I will call fire down. And you know, it's just funny, but I'm not the only one that thinks that way. Usually when I'm behind the wheel, but that's okay. And so it's, Lord, right now, could we please? And so Jesus rebukes them and then they move on their way. And that does, it helps me release a little bit there. But when things are really bad, other people are really difficult. I find I gotta take it up a notch. And uh, anytime I wanna take it up a notch spiritually or declaring the authority of God's word, I find that going to the King James Version is very, very effective. I think the, the devil is more scared of the King James Version than like the NIV because the wording of it. And so I found this in the King James Version. I find it very helpful to me when you wanna take it up another notch. Here's what it says, Lord, Will you smite thee, the Lord smite thee with botch of Egypt and with the emeralds? I don't know what that is, but it sounds terrible. And with the scab and with the itch, whereof, whereof thou canst not be healed. Please, Lord. Doesn't work, just to let you know. So actually, I thought that'd just be fun to share, and I asked him not to put it on the live notes, so there's no written evidence of me sharing those scriptures with you in service. It's a little insight into how I operate, however. But the reality is that it's not about them, it's really kind of about you and how you manage you. And uh, the scripture has a lot to say about it. We always wanna look, Lord, how can I change? How can I change? And so we're gonna look at some things in the scripture that I hope that will encourage you uh, this morning. Because the reality is that the, the reason why there's difficult people is because there's different people. And I found it interesting in looking and studying and the word difficult, obviously we know, begins with D-I-F-F -F, and the word different begins with D-I-F-F. -F. I don't think that's by accident because I think we equate different to difficult because not everybody's like you. And you know, anytime we come across somebody different because I have a certain way I like things, I have a certain way I do things, and a lot of times when someone does it differently, I find them to be difficult. Why can't you just do it my way? I mean, my way's the right way. And so, uh, you know, I just find that as a struggle. But, but the good thing is God put us in a place that not everybody's like us. Put us on a planet, put us on a, in, in a country, put us in a state, put us in a community or communities, and put us in a church that we're different for a reason. But there will be tension, there will be difficult moments for sure. I, even in my own house, in your own house, I know that, that there's difficult times because you're different. Jessamy's completely different than me. And, and the other day, we were down in the kitchen, and I don't know what we were talking about, but it was Jessamy and Camry. And I, I don't know, they just looked at me, and Jessamy said, what's your problem? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't have a problem. And, uh, she, and she says, you're grumpy. And I said, I'm not grumpy, and Camry's right there. I'm looking for some support. So Camry, I'm grumpy. She goes, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and I said, I'm not grumpy. I'm not grumpy, you are, you know, or whatever. And so then they said this to me, and they said, no, you're, you're, just, you're just salty. And I'm like, salty? I'm like a sailor from the 1800s? Salty, what is that? I'm like, yeah, you're right, I'm salty. I'm the salt of the earth. You got a problem with that? <laughs> and so as every mature believer said, I'm not salty, you are. And so I went up to my office and shut the door and just was there in that moment. And I thought, oh my gosh, I am gonna teach on dealing with difficult people this week. <laughs> it's true. Always happens that way. So when I'm going through this and looking at the scripture and stuff, there's some things that we need to realize. Number one, where it comes from, obviously different types of people in our world, but Ephesians 6 really kind of sets it up for us. Ephesians 6, 12, love this passage of scripture. It's something that we should spend a lot of time in and understanding how things work on the planet we live in. It says our struggle's not against flesh and blood. Right there is a big secret. It's not, it's not about the person. Don't put a name or face to it. There's always other things going on and happening in, in people, and the reality is we live in a difficult world. 
We live in a world where there's strife and tension all the time, all around us. There's a spiritual dynamic to it. There's spiritual things operating. But we we wrestle not our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. And so understand that we live in a difficult world. And so let's be careful not to put names or faces on things that are really spiritually motivated. And usually there's a root cause. In fact, there'd be a whole nother lesson. There's a root cause what's going on in people's lives, which is why they become difficult because we all know the saying, finish it for me, hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. I was um, at Rama and I graduated Rama in 92. I was in Bible school and, and uh, in my second year class, I had in pastor's class, I had labs. We had preaching labs. And so we would have to develop a message and we'd give up in front of the class and deliver a message. And it would be critiqued by the instructor and by three other students. And it was always the next three students in line. So when it was my turn, the next three behind me would get up and then they would critique uh, my message along with the instructor. And so I, gave, I got up and, and gave my uh, critiquing, or I actually gave my, rather gave my message. And the next day the instructor called me in his office and I thought that I either did really good or I didn't do so good at all. And so I thought, well, I had one thing working in my favor that one of the people in that group of three critiquing me were from my home church. They're from Tree of Life. They're tree lifers. I said, well, at least I, got, I know I got one behind me. At least I got good marks by one person. And so I walked into the office and the instructor says, hey, you did a good job and you got some great reviews here, but you got one really bad review. He goes, you got really two good reviews and one really bad review. And I said, well, that's, that's weird. I said, that's, that, you know, that's okay. And, and he said, well, the reason I called you in is because it's from this man that's from your church. <laughs> I said, are you kidding me? And he says, no. I said, that's the last person I thought I'd get great marks from him. He said, no, you probably ought to talk to him and just see what's going on. So you bet I'm gonna talk to him. You got a couple scriptures I'm gonna speak over him in just a little bit. And so come to find out that somehow in life, and I had hurt his feelings somehow. I had no idea, I had no idea. But you know, we don't know, and that's the point. We don't know, and so we need to just look and see, Lord, what can we do and make sure we're following the things of God in our life? Because there's a lot of things going on that we'll never know. Look at 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 24. Here's what it says. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Boy, if we would just learn that truth, it would save us a lot of heartache. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that start fights. Next verse. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with whom? The Bible says you're going to have difficult people. You need to learn how to deal with them. James 4, 1 through 3, in the message paraphrase says this, where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way. Next verse. And fight and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. You're spoiled children, each one in your own way. Don't you like how the, the, the word goes right at it, right? Just, okay, tell me how it really is, God. It just goes, it goes right at it. And it gives us a little insight again to some of the things that, that, that cause difficulty in us or be, help us become difficult people. And then I really like this passage because Galatians, in Galatians 5, you can go ahead and turn there, Galatians 5, gives us a real look at what we deal with as it relates to difficult people. Because understand again, we live in a fallen world. And so Galatians really helps us see that clearly. When you follow, listen, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, 
lustful pleasures. Listen to all the things it's describing. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. Oh, it's not done yet. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, because I've told you already before, but let me tell you again, as I've done, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not experience all the great things that God has for you and has for your life. And the reality is there's a lot going on spiritually that we have to understand. And we make choices for ourselves. We make choices for ourselves. And it talks about a lot of things that are at work that we give into. And, and it goes on to say, yeah, let me finish this out. I'm sorry, let me go ahead. But aren't you glad that there's a, a God has a way? It doesn't just leave you on this island of just difficulty. He has a way out for you. And he goes on to say this, but the Holy Spirit, aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit? Let's just stop for a second. Father, we just thank you for the Holy Spirit in us that gives us the ability to live beyond our own natural ability. We thank you, Father God, for sending the Holy Spirit to empower us and equip us for life. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Sounds like we get to get, need to get closer to the Holy Spirit to me, of which there is no law against these things. Or in other words, have as much of that as you want. Overindulge in all that right there. You can't violate anything by going all in with the Holy Spirit and what, it, what he produces in your life, amen? And so we need more of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, God says, I know there'll be struggles. There'll be difficulties in relationship. Things will happen, they'll hurt. And some of you are dealing with some pain and hurts from difficult people today. From what we've read, and let me give you this thought, the cause of people problems is sin, shame, and selfishness. Sin, shame, and selfishness. We saw that in those passages. And you see throughout the Bible, difficult people. In fact, that's why the Bible's so wonderful. It's people we can relate to. Start in Genesis all the way through to Revelation. You see so much dysfunction, relationally, families, other people from Cain and Abel all the way through. And you see it even in our heroes of faith. And I wanna share just real quick that the Apostle Paul, writer of two thirds of the New Testament, what a mighty man of God he was, and we're thankful for all his writings, but even he had challenges in this, and I love seeing the challenges in their lives because it gives me hope, but they even had challenges. I just want you to see it in Acts 15, 36 through 40. Paul's traveling with Barnabas, and sometime later Paul said to Barnabas, hey, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Let's go check on them. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, Verse 38, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement. What? Come on, Paul. The writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. They had such a sharp disagreement. They were, they were being so difficult that they just decided to part company. And Barnabas took Mark and said, we're just going to go sail on without you. Fine. I'm taking Silas and going my way without you, difficult people. And the good is in that, you know, it's like it makes me feel okay that I know that they had the same challenges I have in my life. And God is not a respecter of persons. There's things that we can walk out. So let's take a look at the Old, Test an Old Testament story in Genesis 50. I love, love, love this story. I'm going to give you some backstory to it because it actually covers several chapters, which is unusual in the scripture to have so much devoted to an individual, but there's so much great things to pull out. Let me give you kind of uh, the backstory to it. We're talking about uh, an individual called Joseph. And when the story starts, he's just a young man. He's a, he's a teenager and he's one of many young, uh, boys in the family. And so he's the youngest at the time. And he actually was just the favorite 
favorite of the dad. And so the, the dad loved him more than the others the Bible talks about, showed him great favor. In fact, if you know the story, the dad gave him a coat of many colors. I'm just like, you're my favorite. I'm going to give you the coat. And he probably walked around wearing that coat. Hey, see the coat dad gave me? It's because he loves me better than you. How's it look, man? What do you think? And then the Bible says he had dreams. God gave him dreams and spoke to him through dreams. And he would share not very wisely with his brothers wearing his fancy coat. He would share with them, hey, listen, I had this dream. And in my dream, you were bowing down to me. Well, they didn't already like him because of the coat thing or the dream thing and all this going on. So they grew to hate Joseph. They hated Joseph. In fact, they schemed to kill him. They're, let's just get rid of the guy. And so one day they were out, out of ways away from home and, and Joseph went to visit them. And so when they saw him coming, all the brothers got together and said, let's kill this guy. Let's be done. We can't stand him. We hate him. We're jealous of him. Let's, be, let's end it right now. And then when they grabbed him, they, a little compassion, I guess, crept in. So they just threw him in a pit and thought they would just sell him to some slave people coming by that on the way to Egypt, a caravan. And so they did, they sold Joseph to a caravan. And can you, I just can't imagine Joseph being taken away, looking back at his brothers and saying, what did I ever do? And come on guys, what's the deal here? Why are you doing this to me? And he gets taken to Egypt as a slave. He ends up because the favor of God is on him. He ends up in Potiphar's house. It says as he was a servant in Potiphar's house, who was one of the, the most influential, most uh, wealthy uh, person in authority in Egypt. Uh, Joseph quickly rose to lead the whole household, the Bible says, and he led all the other servants. And so God's favor was on him. He rose to the top. And then all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife took a liking to him. And so she was always propositioning him and like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not right. Not going to do that against Potiphar. Not going to do that against my God. And so finally she just kind of attacked him a little bit and he ran out and she falsely accused him of some things. She's being difficult to him. He's like, he did this and I, I, he did that. And Joseph's like, those are lies. Those are all lies. And why would you say that? Why would you do that? And she said, this is the truth. And they believe what she said. And so not only was he a servant, now he, uh, he was a, a slave. He was a prisoner. So he got thrown in prison. While in prison, the favor of God was there with Joseph. And Joseph worked hard and served. And he rose to the top of the prison. And, and he became the, like, the top prisoner helping manage things. And, and so there was two of the king's uh, servants there with him. One was the cupbearer, one was the baker. And so they were talking to him one day about, we had these dreams and I wonder what they mean. And Joseph said, God, God gives me the ability from time to interpret the dreams and why don't you tell me what they are? And so they both shared the dreams and Joseph said, one of those is to be, ex one of you are to be executed, that's what your dream says. The other is gonna be reunited or brought back, reinstated before the king. And so sure enough, it played out exactly that. The baker was executed, the cupbearer was taken back before the king. Before he leaves, Joseph says, hey, Hey man, I interpreted your dream and stuff. We're kind of friends down here. We've been spending some time together. I know you're thankful I interpreted your dream. Hey, remember me when you get out on the other side. And he goes, no problem. Two years later, Joseph's like, are you serious? And all of a sudden the favor of God promotes him and he rises to the top. And so Pharaoh has a dream. Nobody can interpret the dream. And he's like, is there anybody that can interpret the dream? All of a sudden the cupbearer remembers, hey, there was a guy that was in prison with me. He can do it. So Joseph is brought before Pharaoh, and can you imagine right next to Pharaoh, the cupbearer, I can just imagine <laughs> Joseph like looking at him, right, staring at him, man, thanks buddy, thanks for, thanks for helping me out down there for the last two years. And so he interprets the Pharaoh's dream, and uh, the Pharaoh follows his advice, and basically he saves like the entire nation. There was a huge famine at the time, that's what God was telling him to get ready for, and so giving you all the backstory to that all along the way, you gotta imagine Joseph just questioning, wow, these people out to get me. Is there anybody for me? 
I mean, everywhere I turn, right when I get to a place, I think I can finally get somewhere. Someone speaks out against me. Someone does something. Someone cheats me. Someone lies about me. Everybody's believing what they're saying. Nobody's going to believe me. And it's like at every turn that somebody is there all along the way. How many times do you think he woke up and said, how long will this keep happening? Why are all these people against me? One bad relationship to another, to another, to another. I can't trust anybody. Is anybody for me? I mean, I can just imagine maybe the thoughts running through him. And so I just want you to say that here's a man surrounded by difficult people and he's been put in a prison, but it has not affected him. It has not affected him. There, there may be bitterness, there may be jealousy, hate, lies all around you, and it may come towards you, but it doesn't have to be in you. It doesn't have to be in you. See, Joseph interprets the dream, saves the nation, and then all of a sudden his family shows up starving in Egypt. And there's this amazing dialogue between Joseph and his family. Joseph gets to stand before them, and in this moment, he has a decision. He's standing before his family, and in this moment, he might be thinking, it's payback time. Hey, brothers, remember me? How do you like me now? (laughs) Make fun of my coat now. (laughs) I'm in second in command. I mean, you can imagine the opportunity that was there. He's like, you know, maybe, hey, since you're in Egypt, you've come to Egypt. Have you heard about the boils of Egypt (laughs) and the itch that never ends? How about that? I I might just call that one down on you. Or how about this one? Hey, brothers, just call me salty one more time. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, Uh, I'm gonna be difficult. All right, let's get back to Joseph. Okay, it's about Joseph. All right, so... How do you deal with difficult people? I I think we find the answer uh, right here. Genesis 50, verse 15. Listen to this dialogue. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us? And what if he pays us back for all the wrong things we did him to? Which we would all say, well, it's what you deserve. It serves you right. But listen to what he says. Verse 18. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We're your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Listen to this. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, saving the lives of many. Let me say this. I just want you to know today that God has a plan that people cannot change. God has a plan that their words of hurt and pain, their lies, their cheating, they're setting you up, they're attacking, tearing down. It does not change the plan of God for your life. In fact, God has a way to turn those things around for good. He has a way to bring beauty from ashes. He has a way to make what the enemy means for bad for good. Listen, people cannot control you. Difficult people cannot control the path that you're on and your future unless you let them because God has a plan for your life. Amen? I love that. Joseph is like, hey, whatever you tried to do, whatever motivated you and all those things, hey, listen, really, you don't even know the half of it, brothers, all the difficult people along my way, but God had a plan for my life and that never changed. God had a promise that he would make the bad things good. God had a promise that he'd never leave me or forsake me. God had a promise that he'd be there all along the way. God had a promise that I would walk in his favor. God had a promise that I would rise to the top. And nothing that anybody said or anybody did could control my life. It is in the hands of God, and I choose to follow him. Beautiful story right here, lesson from Joseph. But you don't know what they're saying. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know how difficult they are. I don't but I know God's bigger. I know God's greater. 
You don't know what the words are speaking to me. I don't, but I know what God's word speaks to you. There's just bad blood between us. There might be, but I know the blood of Jesus is greater than the bad blood of anyone against you. See, the plan that God has for your life cannot be derailed by difficult people. It can by you and how you choose to respond. And see, so Joseph's response is so key here. He recognizes that man cannot set the course for my life. My life is in the hands of God. God has a plan and destiny for me, no matter how difficult it may be, no matter the difficult people there, what they say, what they do. At some point, sometime, as I stay steady and keep my eyes on God, keep my heart right, he'll get me where I need to get. And it goes on to say this, I didn't finish that out yet. It goes on to say this, and listen to this. So then don't be afraid. Now listen, here's his response then. Number one, you can't, you can't determine God's plan for my life. God determined it, and I, 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 will, I will follow it, and I'll choose. He goes on to say this, I'll provide for you. Listen, I'll provide for you and for your children. You know how you deal with difficult people? You love them. You love them. Yeah, I know you threw me in that pit. I know that you falsely accused me. I know you forgot about me, turned your back on me. But listen, I'm going to love you anyway. In fact, I'm not just going to love you. I'm going to love everything that is a part of your life. I'm not just going to love you. I'm going to love your kids. I'm going to love the people, the things that you're doing. I'm going to just love because love overcomes. Love wins. Love does not fail. Amen? Love covers a multitude of sin. So he says this, he goes, I'm going to provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Spoke words of affirmation, spoke words of love. Used his tongue to build up, not to tear down. Used his tongue for good, not for evil. Did not respond railing for railing. You see this beautiful picture, if there was anybody other than Jesus, I'm going to talk about someone who walked in love that had to deal with difficult people. But Joseph chose God's way, God's plan. I love this story. God has a plan for my life, and it's bigger than the people and the pain in it. God has promised me that he'd take care of me if I just trust him. And he'd turn what the enemy means for bad into good. God's presence is with me always. Get closer to him and remind yourself that God is still God. I don't have to share. I don't have to listen. I don't have to participate. I don't have to partake in the things that difficult people say and do. I I don't have to be a slave to difficult people. I don't have to live in a prison of bitterness and hurt. So I'm going to give you this thought. The answer to problems with difficult people is God's plan. People cannot change. God's promise, he will always keep his promise in God's presence. He'll never leave you or forsake you. So when you feel alone and you're the only one and everyone's against you, know that God is with you and he is for you. He is a good God. He is a faithful God. Amen? And he has a great plan for your life. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.